Welcome in to another edition of Keg Jams presented to you by Tepping the Keg Sports. Shake Ken and I are back. It's been a minute, uh, but we're going to be talking about the best Summerfest memories that we've had throughout our storied lives here in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, we're also going to talk about Bucks free agency. What are the best case scenarios for Middleton, for Brooke? Are you trading anybody? Free agents may have your eye on. And then we might get some other rapid fire stuff like 10 years later for Giannis. Jordan loves national media perception. And if Jay Ken still cares about the Brewers, because he told us he cared about the Brewers back in April, but a lot has changed since then. So we'll uh, we'll check in on that. But before we get going, Jay Ken, you can find him, Jay Ken underscore on all the socials. What's happening? How you doing? Good, brother. Trying to uh, make sure I stay inside with this, uh, <laughs> this Wisconsin. Uh, smoke we're dealing with but everything else is is good and uh enjoyed uh summerfest last week and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that but excited to be back it's been been a minute yeah you know it's it's we about a month every month check in you know i think i think we both if you know powers aligned would do it every other i almost pulled you out of the bullpen to do the draft last week you that would have been bad because you were at a concert and i don't think you were sober (laughs) enough to give me any sort of draft draft opinions uh but yeah it's uh it the smoke stuff's wild uh i was out took my dog out for maybe 10 minutes and i really felt it i couldn't believe mm-hmm. like how much it felt like my chest was just a little tight it was crazy um and but yeah i mean you know it's hopefully it gets better hopefully by thursday it's better for Summerfest and everything else and and all of that. Uh, I don't think you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're doing anything this weekend from a DJ perspective where people can see you out. It's really the next time is going to be that Summerfest event on Friday the 7th. So I want to tell people a little bit more about that and kind of get into that. And then we can talk more about our, our Summerfest topic. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, nothing this week, uh, which is nice. Uh, I'm kind of going into uh, the 4th. Obviously, it falls on you know, on a Tuesday. So it's a really weird week, uh, weekend totally. into week. It's like, if your work's cool with it, it's kind of like a four day weekend, but then it's a five day. So it's, it's, you know, it falls weird, but it's nice to, I'll have this weekend off. Um, and then have, yeah. So July 7th, which is, uh, not this Friday, but the next Friday, which is the last Friday of Summerfest, um, at the Soundwave stage, it's um for those who know Summerfest, if you go on the main grounds off to your left is what used to be the Johnson Controls um stage, which is covered, which is nice. You know, hopefully we, we don't have any issues with weather. Um, but you know, I, I played on that stage for Pride Fest. Um, I was there on Thursday, as you mentioned, got a chance to just kind of see the setup and um I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't um you know, know what the stage was going to look like, what the sound was going to look like. And I was blown away um, as far as production wise, sound wise, um, the video board, there's, you know, kind of a small kind of catwalk um, as well for, you know, dancers and performers. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it before. They've, they've finally, you know, kind of realized that there's a lot of talent in Milwaukee as far as, as DJs, um, and, and not only that, but, you know, performers as well as just uh, running parties that have been going for a really long time. Um, you know, this this past uh, this past weekend, they had like the women of music and DJ Shauna, who's, you know, mm-hmm. obviously 
really well known in the city and and even nationally now with some of the stuff she does with the with the women's uh, Final Four. Um, they had a women of music. They had a '80s or '90s like hit throwback hip hop night theme, um, and I'm part of the R&B night, um, which is put on by a good friend of mine, Mr. New York, who's been kind of running this this party for about three ish, four years. Uh, started at Revel, which you know a place that I play pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think COVID had something to do with it. Um, uh, it may have just been an, uh, a, an off week or something where they realized that it, that the party was growing bigger. And uh, they ended up moving it to the Miramar Theater, um, which holds about, I think, on, on a cat capacity is about 600 people, which is kind of crazy to think about because it's a very small venue. But, um, man, really packs a punch. And, and um He's just been running that really, really successfully over the past two years. And I, him and I have gotten really close, um, you know, it's, it's just as friends um, and just kind of where I've come from musically. Um, you know, I'll be honest, there's there's probably not a lot of white guys in the DJ industry that, you know, play and have, you know, as much passion maybe for the, the R&B sound as I do. Um, kind of just came up on that and, you know, grew up on it a little bit. And, uh, so yeah, he, he invited me p- to be part of his, uh, his, you know, party on Friday. Uh, I'm going to be one of the earlier sets. I think you mentioned before, I'm actually opening for him that evening at Lucid as well. So I think I'm seven fifteen to like seven forty-five or eight o'clock. So not a, not a super okay. long set. Um, yeah. but certainly, uh, you know, a fun little vibe. I'll probably play a lot of like throwback stuff. Stuff you probably, you know, heard, you know, in your early days, um, maybe for the older crowd, some stuff that is, you know, right up your alley. Um, so we'll kind of just kind of set the vibe for for his night and um, you know, I'll be able to stick around for a little bit and then I'll, I'll head out over Lucid. But, um, man, it's it's just a lot of fun to play that style. Um, real quickly, I've just I don't want to take up too, too much time about it, but they uh, it, it's just so fun to play because. At the end of the day, it's it's a very fun vibe. You'd be surprised to see how many people like sing at the top of their lungs, guys, girls of all just they know races. they know they know all the songs. They know yeah, and it, and it, they know it, the hits and stuff like that. And and it brings and you back, you know, it right. brings you back to times that you think about it. You know, you're playing songs from like your high school dances or your middle school dances, and you're like, Man, this still this still hits. So yeah, it's a great night to be a part of. Um, I'm I'm super super happy to be you know on the billing um they've they've done a good job they got a, a bunch of cool parties at the sound wave stage throughout the next two weekends so yeah if you can make it out um you know show some love um and uh yeah have a fun little vibe and until you got to do whatever um totally. or you could kick it at that that stage if you need to all night <laughs> and, otherwise or had uh, to, to get out and, and uh and, and do some other plans if you have them Right. I mean, you could head over to Lucid. It's Lucid's, I think, walkable even now yeah. from there. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a walk, but you can you could walk walk to Lucid if you needed to. You don't have to worry about Ubers and things like that. Right. And then you'd have an easier Uber home. Uh, so you could double dip if you need to. Uh, you could also, if you're seeing some artists later that night, uh, you could do this as sort of the pregame as the warm up. I will I will be there. I do. I have that already in my calendar, so I will be there and I will. Uh, can you i will i will sponsor at least the beer for if someone comes out to me it's like hey because i listen to the pod i came to r&b night i will i will endorse at least one beer on that if they're not someone close like if they're someone close and i know them like they we can't can't <laughs> have that but if it's someone that where it's a random 
a random one, that'd be great. Uh, we can just hang out. Uh, yeah. And, and even if you're seeing the shows, I mean, Zach Bryan is super popular. He's playing the main, obviously different vibe of country, but mm-hmm. you could still probably go, you know, to be a little late for the opener, see that, and then, you know, go and in, go into Zach Bryan and, and enjoy that uh, as well. So it's, it, there's a ton of opportunity there. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited for you. I think Summerfest is just there. If you're in the music world to play that and also to play at night, like I, I that's an underrated part. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to shit on people who play during the day. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing, but I, I do feel like there is a difference, right? I think yeah, you're oh, yeah. playing, playing at one fifty um on Thursday afternoon, only really deep friends and family are going to be there because people are mm-hmm. working and people are you know, have other shit going on. But if it's seven o'clock on a Friday, I'm sorry. If, unless there's something going on, there's no real excuse. Like you should be there. And then that's, yeah, yeah. and that's one of those things where I think it's, it may, it amplifies it. And you know, even though I'm not a, as big of an R and B guy, I'm sure there are songs I'll know. I'm sure I'll, yeah. I'll vibe out. I'll have a good time. And yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it's, there's definitely something for everybody. And then, you know, it, I think that's the cool thing about live music in general, even if you figure out like, you're like, Oh wow. I actually know way more songs than I, than I thought I did. Or I like more songs than I thought I did. Like I, when I did that with Zach, Zach Brown, other Zach, where I was like, well, I actually know like 20, like I, I knew way more songs than I thought I did and mm-hmm. like more songs than I thought I did. So I, I think it, you know, it's definitely, definitely will be something for everybody. And I was, I thought I had one question about just overall, I think in general, you know, Summerfest is this, you know, it, the scene itself is, is a big one. Like, do you, is it, is there any difference playing outdoors versus indoors, you know, and, and stuff like that? Or is there, is that what you were meaning with the like roof that, that kind of yeah. helps protect the sound a little bit? Um, yeah. So with, with Pride Fest, because it's the same stage, um, I will say the only place that comes close to this the type of sound that you get out of that is probably the Miramar, and I've played there okay. a handful of, to- yeah. handful of times. Um, it's just, I mean, it's it's just a smaller version of a main stage. At the end of the day, it's it's got that type of of mm-hmm. sound. Um, it's a pretty big space as far as you know what's covered. You have two bars right there. You can get in and out. It's not like you're at um and act where you're on the stands and that was that, that was a question I, I wanted to pose you i'll ask you in a second yeah. um but um you, you know you can get in and out there you know it'll it'll be busy you know it'll probably mm-hmm. be busier later but um that's what is nice about that is you know if you if you are enjoying that that venue and that sound and the people that are playing you walk in and out you you got you know you're kind of right in the middle of everything like i said you're right you know right near the main entrance so there's plenty of food you don't have to walk too far and um yeah you can easily get to the bar get to a bathroom it's right next door or you know right yep. next to it so um yeah as far as like sound it's it's incredible um the the video and the and the lighting is really cool it'll probably be you know you know even better than what i saw cuz i saw it earlier in the day um, you know, around seven, eight o'clock, you know, you'll probably get that sundown, that sunset, which is, is cool to be playing um, totally. with as well. And at the end of the day, you're, you're setting the vibe for, for really the entire night. Cause you think about, you know, people that are coming off of work are probably getting down there right at that time, right. You know, six, six o'clock, seven, or they're making their way to, um, to the grounds for, for the night. So it's a, it's a, it's a good setup time. I'm, I'm excited for it. 
For sure. For sure. You said you had a question about the bleachers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and it, this is weird. I was just, so I was at Griffin on Thursday, which mm -hmm. uh, I was, I loved, you know, I haven't got a chance to see him. I've mentioned him on probably numerous, you know, keg jams episodes of ours. Um, and I was just wondering, like, do you, do you still like the bleacher feel or would you, would you think, you know, as far as like the free stages right now, you know, AmFam or whatever, mm -hmm. um, do you like the bleacher thing where you pretty much have to stand on bleachers? There is no sitting, at least for probably your 7 p.m. acts on, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I saw multiple just like trip and fall yeah. and people bust yeah. their shit. I, I, um, I, and so I, I'm curious, yeah, just to, to kind of get your, because they've, they've done it like this forever. Right? I mean, there the there's a lot of memories based on standing on the bleachers and saving seats and doing all of that. Like I can remember, uh, we really wanted to go see OAR and we wanted to be close on OAR. And we left probably about three o'clock. When I say we, I mean, Romy, not uh, Shay Ken and I, like I went to go see OAR. I, I like, I was sitting at OKR o OAR for like starting at three o'clock and we were like second or third row. And that was just a rite of passage. And you had to get there early. If you wanted to see like a major act, like that was something that you had to do. And the really annoying thing, when you were with girls who were like, they couldn't see and you could see without standing in the bleacher. And they're like, you got to push up to the front and you have to push up to the front. And you're like, man, we're inconveniencing everyone and everybody is so selfish. And it's just an absolute dog fight, but it's kind of part of the experience to your point though. I don't fuck with those anymore. I just hang <laughs> out by, cause I just want to hang out by the beer. Like that might maybe sound like an alcoholic, but I don't want to go in and out. Like I just want to, be by the beer. I'm tall enough being six, four, I can see everything. So I don't really need to go into the stands and actually like watch. I think the last one I did, but, and, but the crowds were sparse because it was that COVID fall year. Cause I think Ronda jewels. I went into mm. the stand. I went and sat in the stands for that or like stood up in the stands, but yeah, bleachers have a, a memory for me, but I am, I'm out on it as a, like, uh, as an old guy now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the reason I thought about it is, um, so I, I didn't have, you know, I was just planning to go to Griffin. Um, crowd wasn't as great as I would have expected. Like I'd say like 75%, you know, of those, those bleachers were full. Um, I ended up getting, you know, a buddy of mine knew I was going and he hooked me up with like the Miller Light Oasis, like the passes for the, the rooftop. Awesome. And great. Yeah. If, if <laughs> I'll say this, <laughs> uh, two things. If if you're going up there and you've already you're like already feeling good, you're probably going to be in trouble because I think oh, yeah. it's five drink min. like you get five drinks. Mm -hmm. I thought it was three. Um, so if you get up there, you write it right away in your mind. You're like, well, I got to use all five of them. Right. Yeah. Um, so again, yeah, you, you probably want to be a little bit careful with that. I will say the sound up there was, was so delayed, um, probably a good, like half a second, which might not sound like much, but when you hear it, it's certainly something for me, who can under, yep. you know, understand it as far as, you know, the sound and way it bounces. Um, and just like, you know, as a DJ, you, you kind of hear it, it differently. It bounced probably about a half, almost a full second late, which was really, really annoying because, with the dance act, for example, half of the battle is the lights, the show, the production. Mm -hmm. And when you see things reacting and you're hearing the sound, it doesn't mesh well. So I went up there, you know, kind of would go up, get a drink, say what's up, you know, kind of kick it. But then I was like, fuck this. Griffin is like one of my all time favorite artists. 
And so I ended up just going down in the bleachers, like, you know, on the open. I could literally right. walk up, walk yeah, a couple yeah, rows yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and and you know, I, I wasn't like in the middle of anything. So um, but yeah, that was that was my experience from from Thursday night. Um, good good couple EDM acts that were going on that night. And uh yeah, it was a good start. Felt uh felt pretty shitty the next day. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's that's part of the like summer fest rite of passage thing. I, I think it was, you know, more fun when it wasn't just the weekends where and you're in college or you're maybe not even of age and you like go get ripped up on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and then you have this shitty summer job or you actually have off and it's like, oh, well, it just doesn't matter because it's like summer fast. Like so that 11 day stretch was like this like debauchery bender um you know when you are when you were younger because it felt like nobody was working it just felt like people were going out drinking nonstop and and just it there was that time period i think and it, it's for everybody it's like 16 really to like 24 where you're just you're at least at Summerfest four mm-hmm. times maybe a couple artists that you like maybe a couple artists that you don't really care about but you're kind of just there to drink like one of those I remember was like Rusted Root I remember I had no interest in Rusted Root I, didn't, I knew one song I still I think know one song from Rusted Root but I it was just that's where the party was that night yeah so yeah. so there you go and so I think that's another thing that I, I look back fondly when I, you know, pull back the nostalgia of, of Summerfest. Yeah, I um had a, just I'll try to go quickly, but I had a conversation um with a couple of people when we were at Summerfest about just the new structure. Um, anyway, there was an article that came out about the amount of money that a certain person from Summerfest makes. I won't talk about it. Some people thought it was high. Some people thought it was low. Um, a lot of people, you know, blame, you know, that that person or that party for, right. for kind of the new structure and, and why ticket prices have hiked and why they haven't seen, you know, the same return. Um, granted COVID took a lot of that, but I think one of the biggest things is just, is you're praying, you're paying premiums for these artists now because you're only booking them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they're going to be charging a premium rather than right. if you were to book them on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. So you right. have all those off days, which you could probably get for, you know, 60 cents on the dollar for an act like Zach Brown band, if they were playing on a Tuesday versus, you know, sure. Friday or Saturday night. So, um, yeah, it was just an interesting conversation I, I had with people and just like, if you're in the, if like, I understand it because I, you know, would, would hear what, what certain venues would pay artists and they're like, Oh, we're getting them cheap. Cause he's, here on a Thursday and if we would have booked right. on Friday, it would have been this much. So um, it all plays into kind of where, where we're at in the current state of, of Summerfest. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the interesting part about that too is, you know, I think a lot, I, I know a lot more artists probably have interest in paying at that premium price and doing it on the weekends. But I do think there will be some that would say, okay, I'll do a show Tuesday. I'll do a show Wednesday. And then I'm going to go down to Chicago and play yep. a show Friday night, or I'm going to go up and I'm going to play a show in Minneapolis Friday, Saturday mm-hmm. instead, you know? And, and I, I think that's somewhat, somewhat lost. I understand the weekend appeal, but you know, this week is tough for them because so many people are going to be up North. Like yep. thir- there'll be, there'll be people probably in that 16 to 24 range where they'll do it thursday barring the air is okay which i mean i they're very i'm sure they're very thankful that this is happening today no, not yeah. and not like at the end of the week but there there's that those people that'll do thursday but then friday saturday 
they're probably up north if they have a lake house or you mm-hmm. know or there's just other fourth of july plans because fourth of july is one of those holidays that not that many folks stick around i'm gonna be there saturday i'm going to yellow card with mitch um but uh it, but like i you know who knows right we'll just yeah. run into a couple more people great but yeah it'll be it's very interesting and a lot of it is calendar dependent uh i I think too, as we talk about underage, I think just sneak, you know, people sneaking in booze is something that I always, I always <laughs> write a passage. Yeah. Whether it's the parking rides don't exist anymore. Did you know this, by the way, that the parking rides don't really exist on like Watertown Plank, where nope. you could just really? take them. No. Yo, yeah. I. I mean, if, when you talk about absolute rite of passage, that has to be top top of your list. Oh yeah, the the parking for those who are unfamiliar don't live in Milwaukee. They would have the. County buses would have different parking rides all over sort of the five counties and you'd get on the bus and you'd be a round trip. You'd, it'd be like what? Five bucks, 10 bucks. Yeah. And I, think it was five, I think it was five bucks. Actually. I think it was cheaper, you know, way back when, and you would take the bus down, you get dropped off in the middle, you get in, and then you'd make sure that you did not miss that bus on the way home. Because if you were waiting, that was a 30 minute wait. And it was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it just sucked because you're just sitting there. And this is before Uber is before like, cat, like you knew what cabs were. Right, um, right. And, but it was so fucking rowdy both ways, like cutting down, everybody's getting drunk. There are Gatorade bottles. I think, I, I don't know if we knew anyone that got, I think I knew some people who might've gotten underage, like sneaking in or something. I can't like not people that we were close with, like just friends of friends or like, yeah, did you mm-hmm. hear? Cause you could, you, it's not like you could just free will like, Oh, and then you'd also like smell the vodka back. Like yeah, when people yeah. were drinking, like you smell that shitty, like raspberry smear oh, up God. or something like that. Or the bad. Party, oh, the bad thing about the Watertown Plank one in Malvatosa was that it was next to the police station. Oh yeah, That's so a great it was point. like the cops were just sitting there <laughs> waiting to see the, the drunks. Play. The drunks so... come off the bus and be like, "Okay, which one of you is walking to your car to start driving?" Because you're the you're the one I'm going to tag right away. Yeah, that yeah, that was the other thing. I I remember one, and I don't remember this full story, but it was me and our friend Getty and my fr- and our friend Doze. And we went to go see Leonard Skinner and we drank <laughs> beers in a park and they were warm beers. And I fucking puked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, but the like there, there are stories like that. Like everybody in this area has a story like that because, and that's it. And, you know, girls would get smarter. Like they were starting to put like, like uh Ziploc bags of vodka in their, in their bras because they mm-hmm. wouldn't get tagged. And then, it was just it the elaborate scheming planning that went in just was so it was something that you just don't really forget you never never lose sight of it yeah i think we'll talk about like our you know our, our kind of top memories here sure um one of them being one of mine will be the the shit show that is forever known as the, the Wiz Khalifa concert oh yeah um but anyway, for that show, our friend, shout out Henny, different Henny of yours, um, was working at one of the lemonade stands. And as a worker, you didn't get your bags checked. So we worked with him, brought a full bottle of, I think, Bacardi Limon in to Summerfest. He brought it in his backpack, didn't get checked. We would go to his lemonade, like the good, fresh lemonade stand. Yeah. He'd make us like 
you know, three quarters one, and then we'd find somewhere to go, you know, pop, you know, put the Bacardi in the morning and it was fucking perfect. Um, but it was the, it was, you know, the, the, the Wiz Khalifa show, which is by far the longest I've ever waited for an artist will ever wait for an artist. Like that was the one that like, you had to get there early. You had to camp out for hours on end because the second it was announced and it wasn't a free stage. And this was mind you 12. God, now I'm dating myself. Yeah. 12 years ago, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And, uh, so we got there, I think maybe two o'clock, two 30. And, there was, I remember on Facebook, like the whole thing was that, you know, the, the stage itself can hold 30, 40,000 people or something that might even be too much. And there was a hundred thousand people on Facebook that RSVP that they were going to the show. There was just, I didn't see a ton of it. I know there was, there was just a ton of fights at one point. Uh, it was probably about six o'clock, um, maybe six 30. And you just saw just people starting to throw shit. Cause at, at that time they had, I don't think they had any sort of, you know, stopgap in between artists mm-hmm. and, and kid cut up who's kind of legendary in Milwaukee now lives in LA um, was one of the openers. And I think they brought him out like 90 minutes earlier. Cause they're like, dude, we need to do something with this crowd. They're losing it. They were throwing shit. I remember this kid was in a fresh white tee was like covered in marinara sauce and like all this crap. And it was just such a mess. And you were, you were so hyped for that show by the time he went on and it was such a fucking bummer and, and he played such a shitty set didn't play any of his old shit like granted i understand that but um you know he came on i think he played maybe 50 minutes maybe an hour and was done and it was like did we really just wait eight hours in the fucking scorching sun for this guy to kind of shit on this performance so not not one of my favorite memories but a memory that no, literally you could probably it, talk to about 25 percent of milwaukee listen, and they would remember that that show listen it's a it, that's a memory though like memories can be there it can be good it can be bad it, it but that's something that sears into your brain that you just don't forget like and for those who might not be familiar if you look it up like the crowd as chicken described massive but also playing that night where girl talk were massive uh imagine dragons who are just becoming popular it was a colossal fuck up by Summerfest to have all of these bands at the same time and yeah. just went and fell apart. Um, I, I think in that same reign of artists sucking, I'm, one of my memories when I was working for the radio station was we did a meet and greet with Ludacris and Ludacris was two hours late. Uh, people Oof. were waiting. I didn't know what to do. I just kept talking to people. He finally comes. And doesn't talk to anybody, just has his sunglasses on, takes a picture, kind of a smile, and then similar thing, just kind of played the hits and then was out. I somehow saw Ludacris twice. I was not impressed either time. I love Ludacris's music. Uh, Always good to put on the gym. But yeah, that one, that one was equally, equally bad. Uh, Another one that I'll throw in for memories uh, or like kind of weird, not necessarily favorites but Adam Duritz uh, being drunk as shit at a Counting Crows <laughs> concert. And he, like, he was so drunk. Yeah. He was gone. And he brought out his piano, Augustana. Do you remember Augustana? The, sure. I think I go into Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the openers. So that was like an awesome, like, like back to back. Like you had Augustana, yeah. you had Counting Crows. And he, he brings them out. And so everybody's playing. And then he's like on his piano. And he's like, what do you guys want to hear? 
It's almost like long December. And he just goes right into it. He's like, all right, fuck it. And he just goes in on his piano. That was it. He wasn't like great, but it was like, I always remember that one. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there, but yeah, you, I'm sure you have more of that, that or more memories that have are similar things along yeah. those lines. Most of mine, I feel like most of mine have been pretty good. That, that was one was just bad oh, yeah. for just a multitude of reasons. Um, we do share, uh, well, I, not that we share, but we went to the same concert, um, uh, and maybe this was 2011 as well, but still to this day, um, Kanye West was, is probably my favorite oh, all time, all time concert, yeah, all time concert. As far as, as artist, um, he, he played pretty much his whole Coachella set from that year, which was, you know, uh, man, what was that? Was that the, it was a graduation. Graduation. It was, it was yeah. graduation tour. I remember uh, I went with my buddy Dougie, uh, and he was like, "You're gonna ruin the Summerfest set because you watched the Coachella set." I remember staying up for that Coachella set. It's like two a.m. when it was mm-hmm. over. Like I was like, I, "This is awesome." I forgot stuff at that point. Shout out to Dougie, not getting busted for weed, or the the Summerfest person took his weed, but they didn't actually kick him out of the show because that would have been an all time bummer. So when that was that was that show also. Was that 2010, 11? Just 11, yeah. I think it was 11. Okay. I think it was, uh, okay. no, yeah, 11. Yeah, I think it was, it might have been 2012, actually. Because okay. that was, I graduated college. So I, was, okay. I remember, yeah, I graduated Kid college. Cuddy opened. Kid Cuddy opened, yes. Yep, yep. I saw so, Kid Cuddy a couple times, too, yeah. Yep. So we went, Josh and I, a good friend of ours, Josh and I went. Um, random, random, really random story how we got the ticket. Well, just him and I. Um, his sister at the time lived in LA and was kind of an assistant, um, in the entertainment industry. And her good friend was Katy Perry's assistant at the time. I believe Katy Perry and Kanye shared the same agency or agent. Um, so we ended up going there. Uh, uh, supposedly our tickets were at will call. We get there. Wasn't the case. So it's like, fuck. So Josh is calling his his sister. His sister has to call the assistant. The assistant has to call this person. Long story short, we end up getting the tickets. We're probably 12 rows back, 15 rows back. We're in that that first kind of section. Um, and at he probably played what two and a half, maybe two, two and a half hours. And yeah. like every single song he played, he like say what you will about Kanye and who he is as a person, and and, and obviously things have changed since. But yes. as a performer, like put his heart and soul into every single song, um, ended with a really, really, you know, emotional tribute to his mom. Right. He had just lost his mom and he's got the song and that was his last song of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a perfect cap because it was like, man, you just felt you felt for this guy. You felt like every song. Um even Kid Cudi, like at the time, was still just coming up. I was which had such a pull with that that audience yes and uh yeah to this day this is still the single like best performance i've ever seen i i i have to agree uh it's i i always talk about it it's it's kind of what made me even a bigger kanye fan i loved kanye back then but i i i loved him even more after seeing him live it's so sad that i wasn't able to see him uh for the one he did with the watch throne tour he did with jay-z we were supposed to go in minnesota mm-hmm. he canceled that um and that sunk uh and i haven't been able to see kanye since I have told people and i will say this even though he yeah, said a lot of bad shit not that great of a person i probably would see kanye tomorrow if they're like hey yeah he's taking jimmy buffett's spot and he's playing on the six i know it's ajr but if mm-hmm. it, it, if they were like yeah it's kanye 
on uh, November on June, July, June 6th. I'd be or July 6th. Be like, sign me up. Like I'm there. No, no real questions asked. I'll pay whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I, I have had a couple too, where it's like, I don't know if I'll ever see them again because they don't really perform. I saw, and it was in the same year. I saw outcast. I was working for a radio station at the time. So I got, what was cool about that was I worked a lot. Like I, I worked a ton, but yeah. I, I, we had a couple, you'd go, you'd have a couple people who'd like, they'd give you tickets to the show. And they'd be like, Hey, you can go in, but I wouldn't really be required to do much. We had, you know, a couple of women who were, they do the photography. And so we would just kind of kick back and hang out. And sometimes mm-hmm. you'd hang out by yourself. Sometimes you'd hang out with our coworkers. I think both, I think a couple of them, it was just me. And, but, Anyways, I was able to see Outcast, and I was able to see the Eagles before Glenn Fry had died. Mm, yeah. um, and those are two that are like forever. Actually, Outcast was incredible. Um, yeah. They still still brought it. And then Glenn Fry. The cool thing about that one was it was so fucking hot. Last day of Summerfest, I was sweating. I'd been working all day. I was like, God damn it, I'm gonna have to stand at this show. And I, I, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to stay for it. No, it's all old people never sitting down. It was greatest. I was yeah. just so happy to be sitting, sitting down and sitting <laughs> or sat and good grammar there. But yeah, yeah. those are, there are a couple that I, I probably will never see again just because they don't perform, you know, and yeah. obviously the Eagles are a little different now. Yeah. I would say my like second is probably, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's like my second all time, but it's probably my second favorite. Um, Summerfest memory was Neo. Um, that again, we talked about the R and B and kind of my, yeah. my love for that, and and Neo had a lot to do with that. You know, c- coming up and and you know late middle school and, and early high school, and he performed. I don't know, 2012, 13, kind of around in that range. Um, and I ended up going again with with my buddy Josh, same guy from the the Kanye concert, and um, he wasn't nearly as big a fan as I was, but. Um, the one thing I'll say too is when you're at those free shows, even even the seated stuff. Shows if you're around good people that like enjoy the music as much as you do and like know the yep. music, it's so much so much more fun to enjoy that. Like as corny as it sounds, it's like you're you're kind of like singing out and jamming with friends you never met, and you're just like, yep, you know, grab a beer here, grab a beer there, whatever it is. Uh, so every up, you know, oh yeah, we, you know, we just ended up having a great time. Um, he ends up bringing Fabulous out, which was kind of unheard of because i don't even think fabulous was playing at Summerfest that year so it was like where the fuck did this guy come from and you know they did their song i still remember him coming out with like six or seven chains on and like blinding the crowd with with the the shimmer and and how the the lights hit those chains um but uh yeah that was for me it was like one of my just favorite experience for for a guy that's r&b um to kind of have that much, um, you know, energy in his set and 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 really be a performer was was cool to see. Do you, do you have anyone that it's like you saw them early and then you kind of got on the ground floor and then they blew up or like they got popular to the point that they were like not they couldn't do a free stage they would have to do a main stage. Do you have any of those? I'm not that that come off of the top of my head. Um, like I know you have like the Lizzo situation and. Um, which is, is cool. And, and and I think it's something that Summerfest has gotten better about. I, I, I had had a similar conversation about South by Southwest and kind of the way that they bring their artists through. Um, I think they have an incredible discovery team. Um, they find kind of those, those hole in the walls or those like shot in the dark artists that end up 
you know, kind of becoming, you know, incredible acting with kind of like what the Nashville scene is. Um, I've never, never been out there, but I've, you know, I've heard incredible things. Um, so I think Summerfest is getting better that at that. Um, Lost Kings is one that their DJ group and they've been, a, you know, kind of a, a friend, you know, one of the guys is not a friend, but a, an acquaintance of mine. And um, I opened for them in Madison one year and then they they came back a couple years ago and played at like 430. And then they were the opener for um, Griffin. Uh, for Griffin. Yeah, at yeah. 830, which I think they switched. I, I think it was supposed to be Frank Walker and then Griffin. And I think I, what they did was was better because Lost Kings kind of matched the energy. Um but they played Coachella. They've played all. Yeah, of the, they're super uh, popular. Yeah, They've, big I mean, like EDC, EDM f- festivals. Um, so and not that I was like ahead of those those guys at all. Um, so I think it's probably more of of maybe the DJ acts that I that I got to see or saw like when they were smaller and, and they're the guys mm-hmm. that are kind of playing on on a bigger scale. But I don't have like a I don't have a success story of um you know a band that I can that I can remember going to see that like I saw and I'm like damn that that group crushed it and now they're you know killing out of me. Well, so. the weird thing too is some some of me forget right. I, sometimes you just go for a couple minutes and you're just there and it's not it's not like you're there and you're locked in. The Lizzo one like we wanted to see her, my wife and I, and then she blew up that's that later that year i think juice became super popular mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like i think my sister was texting me that summer she, i'm trying to go in denver but tickets are like 400 dollars, and i'm like oh, oh shit like like yeah and you're like and it's sold out and you got you got lucky my other last my last one and then i i do want to go back to something you said is i Drink. I ended up drinking with Guster at Wicked Hop after a show <laughs> because awesome. my friend Kyle uh, knew Guster from uh, his days in Madison. He knew the drummer Brian, and Guster was awesome. They're great dudes. They bought all our beer. They just were just dudes, like no nothing different. And you never knew, never uh, heard that story. Um, you really, and mm-hmm. I can add to it that uh, Kyle's mom ended up driving us and Guster to Ian's pizza to have din- to have because Guster loved Ian's like and Brian was like I want to bring this to Brooklyn and everything else and yeah and they put on a great show I've seen them that's awesome two or three times uh they actually I got fed an ad uh that they're playing keep it together back to front in Chicago in September and I have a tight September but I was like college football not a great college football Saturday like <laughs> and, and tickets are like 150 for like yeah. two two people and I was like oh, I don't know doesn't sound like the worst worst way to spend a Saturday night so uh but yeah uh I I'll let you in here but though I did want to go back to two things one number one if you ever want to do South by Southwest I will go to Austin like tomorrow like you could just tell me hey we're going to Austin and yeah, Nashville it's very interesting how many people haven't been to Nashville that are males like I have a few friends of mine that were like, I'd go to Nashville. I'd do a guy's trip in Nashville. It's a very, you know, and not to be sexist, but it's a very female focused. Maybe it's the country music. Maybe it's just, it's like their Vegas. I don't know. Like I, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely deal with the craziness and chaos of, of Nashville as someone who said, even at I, I, a little less now as I've gotten older, but I, I love chaos and and yeah, you could feed you could you could feed me that in a bar scene. I could deal with with all the lines at Broadway. I'm sure I, I'm sure I could handle it. 
Yeah. It, w one thing I'll just quickly add here is the other um, thing is that we kind of talked about the artist discovery. Yeah. I think that's what they're starting to get around to that. I don't want to, I'm not bashing anybody. They've, no, they've no, no. Been great acts over the years, but the AmFam house stage, which is now like that smaller kind of like intimate stage that they have, that's literally right behind the fountains at the main entrance. So a guy like young gravy probably doesn't need to be there. He's, he's got enough of a following, yeah. but like, that's where you kind of see some of those smaller acts are like the up and coming and you're, you catch them and it's an acoustic set. Um, you know, I think those are the type of situations and the platforms that they can start to utilize as far as their discovery team and, and kind of the new artists that, that, you know, yeah. could be on the rise. And I think that that was a cool ad this year. Totally. Absolutely. All right. Any, anything else uh, from the summer fest before we, we transition to sports? Uh no, I got um like I said, I, I had I had a good night Thursday. Got uh got my sazes. Um yeah, you know, I was I was looking at uh at a post from what was it, 20 yeah, it had to be like 2020 or 2021, um, where I didn't go to Summerfest for like the very first time. And it was either that or it was like one of the weird COVID years, and it was like kind of kind of coming to the sad realization that you know you weren't gonna get a, a sampler platter that that year. And so I was glad to be back and and uh you know, kind of do that was another kind of, you know, on your bucket list, you got to do it or it's oh, yeah. a memory of everything you have every year you, going back. So you have to get the sampler platter. Um, I actually got one myself on Friday, but they undercooked my mod sticks. So I think I'm going to have to get, yeah, I'm going to have to get mod sticks revenge, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, darn. Shucks. Just going to yeah. have to have more they're doing, on, they're doing it on purpose to bring you back. Maybe I also I had there were a lot of people in my wife's family that were mad the Venice Club no longer has a spot there. Yeah. They love the uh the eggplant fries and Venice Club's no longer, which is interesting. RIP mm -hmm. to uh one of the good uh uh suburban Italian establishments. But yeah, if you can if you can make it, if you've never been for some reason, if you, you're new to the area or you just live close, it's all it's always worth the trip. And I will say the last thing to put a bow on it. You also don't need a show like you could just do my, my wife and I have done this where you just go to each stage and you just watch probably two songs, three songs, and you kind of get the vibe of each. And then, you know, maybe you like one and you're just like, shit, I'm going to stay here. And because I like what's there. But I will tell you, you will like uh, the R&B night on Friday, July 7th. Shake hands going on about 715. And if for some reason you can't make it. We'll uh we'll see how loose at that that weekend could get me into a lot of trouble because we had Mitch's <laughs> birthday the next day and uh, that is yeah that that already is like an afternoon so that's like a back to back uh it's like kind of a warning said to me I gotta get a lot of shit done this weekend that's here and there all right moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, it is quite the weekend for the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Uh, free agency starts at 5 p.m. on Friday. Uh, T's and P's to all the big J's having to work on Friday night. Uh, but we will see the moves that the Bucks might make. There's a lot that potentially could happen. You have Chris Middleton, who is a unrestricted free agent. You have Brooke Lopez, who's an unrestricted free agent. You have the Bucks making a trade. Now, that could happen before the, the actual free agency period starts. You have free agents that have been mentioned. So, Shaken, what's sort of your best case scenario? And you can can take this in a lot of ways. You could take it in, you know, about Middleton and Lopez, take it in, you know, trading players. Like, what is the thing where you come away and it's the third or the fourth and you're just like, 
damn, I feel pretty good about where the Bucks are. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Drew stuff is quieted down, you know, since we've kind of, you know, got, gone a little bit long, you know, longer into the summer. And mm-hmm. obviously you have the, the, the decline of the option for, for Chris. I think for me, um, as much as I don't want to fully run it back, I think there needs to be some change. Um, I think if you can prioritize Chris and Brooke, um, would be kind of my ideal. Um, I'm not big on the sign in trade that we would probably have to do with one of them. Um, it just as far as it's kind of how the CBA works and is, is and what we'd owe because if they go, if they walk away, we're still owing them that money, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think you bring up some good points earlier about how how does Brooke fit into AJ Griffin's system, um, and you know defensively how does he fit and you know is he still going to be that that dominant defender and and is the you know the drop coverage is that still going to be a thing is it going to be a, a periodic thing, um, you know I hope for for our sake it's certainly a, a, a periodic thing from right. time to time yeah um, not as not as intense not as like every. Yeah every fucking possession needs to be, needs to be drop coverage. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think prioritizing them, I think, I hope Chris kind of knows where they're at in, in negotiations, not only with him, but kind of the rest of the the team is, and hopefully signs a team friendly deal. Um, You know, I think, you know, you never want to tell somebody to take less money or, or not get mm-hmm. the money that's earned to them. But I hope he understands unlike, another Wisconsin sports athlete uh, about the value of a, a team Well, no longer Wisconsin sports athlete, about the value of just like retaining certain assets and keeping kind of your core group together. Um, I, I hope, and and I think he sees the value in that. So, so at, at most, at minimum, I'd be pretty happy if they were able to, to resign Chris and Brooke. Um, it sounds like Chris will resign for less money, but for a longer deal. Yep. Who knows with Brooke? Um, you know, I, I, we don't know because he came off such a, a bad year with the injury and then came back and had the best, you know, the best year of his career, you know, statistically yeah. um, and, and st- really didn't show any signs of, of, of slowing down, certainly on the, on the defensive end um, and was able to, you know, really have a, a strong offensive year. So th- there are a couple targets um, that I think I'd like to see us go after. Um, boy, but it's going to be a combination of it's going to be Pat Grayson, Jay, Joe Ingles, Javon Carter, Thanasis isn't going anywhere. Let's be honest, right? It's going to be a mixture of those five guys. Like, who's who's not coming back? I think three, two or three of those guys. I, I'd say, we yeah, I think, I think Joe, um, I to cut in, I think Joe is gone and I think Javon's gone. I think Javon's gonna get good money. I think, yeah, yep. there's gonna be a team with cap space such a Detroit, a San Antonio, a Houston, who is like, all right, you know, we need to use this money, right? And it's not this deep free agent class. And they're going to start spending this money um, kind of because they have to. And so you'll see guys get big deals that maybe aren't expected, right? Um, and I, I do, yeah, I do think Javon will make a run. Uh, the Grayson one, I think, is the real, the real question, right? Like, there's a lot of wing depth now on this team. Grayson, if you listen to what Coach Griffin has said about defensive intensity and everything else, like that doesn't exact like Grayson Allen tries defensively. He's just slow. And and that raises the question about Bobby too, which you didn't mention, but like True, I, yeah. I, I but I, I do agree with people who are saying if you don't bring back Brooke for some reason, 
you have to bring back. You can't trade Bobby. You can't get rid of them both. Yeah, it's yep. it's like. But if you bring back Brooke, then maybe that does put Bobby on the table just because you're using Brook Lopez in a in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a couple guys that I, I kind of thought about differently, um, and it was more so because I, I I just have a feeling Kristen Stain. Um, I, I agree. I, 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 I wanna, agree with you. I do, I do want to run through some hypo- hypotheticals that I saw sure. today, and I I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but a guy like let's just say Brooke is gone. Yeah. Um, a guy like Jackson Hayes is available. Like I think he, you know, he's not going to stretch you offensively, but a big body, a rim protector, very much the same, or yeah, and probably more mobile, but very much the same player. Yeah, very much the same player. Um defensively as far as energy as far as size um ability to protect the rim that brook is again not not there offensively but you you know you you might not need that so right you know you think about a guy like that you could get for the cheap should brook you know move on i think there are options out there um so the four hypotheticals and i i didn't put these together i'll I'll give the behind the buck pass um i think they're a fan-sided uh So they put four four hypotheticals together, and you may have seen this, so I'm not taking credit for this. First one's the Pacers. Straight up, Pacers get Middleton, Bucks get Buddy Hield, Duarte, TJ McConnell. Let me let me read all four of them. Sure. And then yeah. let me know which one. Let's go one through four, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sure. Middleton for Hield, Duarte, TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. Second one is Detroit. They get Middleton, Bochamp, Bucks get Bojan Bogdanovic, Marvin Begley, and Corey Joseph. Have you seen have you seen any of these? Okay. No, okay. this is new, this um, new to me. I'm just okay. listening. Um third one is the Nets. Nets get Middleton and Javon Carter. Bucks get Dorian Finney Smith, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and a 2023rd first round pick, which is not gonna happen. So that, that would have to be a 24. This is only this is recently. So that would probably be a 24, 25, whatever future sure. pick. Yeah. Last one is the Hawks get Middleton, Bucks get DeAndre Hunt, Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Garrison Matthews. So where are you at with with those? Do you have a, a clear winner? Uh, and I'll tell you kind of where I'm at after. The only one I like is the Hawks. I don't like any of the other ones. I yep, I, yep. I respectfully respect the book that those guys putting out content. I get it. I think that Bogdan Bogdanovich, as well as as well as uh, DeAndre Hunter, would be great. Mm-hmm. I think if you could get into the Dejounte Murray conversation, right, and you trade Drew Holiday. Because I think that's what it would take. I I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he has a big contract, but I I do think that the way Dejounte plays, it's similar to Drew Holiday. It's yep. I mean the shooting might not be there, but it's it's like basically you're just exchanging new and old. Now Murray hasn't been in a ton of big moments, but I I think like Murray being a number two or a number three will be more his speed. So really the Hawks one is the only one that that piqued my interest. Um, I just don't think that's enough for Chris Middleton. I, I Maybe I'm overvaluing Chris Middleton, but I just find Chris Middleton as a number two. And I, I don't know. I And I also feel like there are better teams like a Cleveland, uh, a Sacramento, a Memphis who need some of these veteran guys and they don't have it. And mm-hmm. they, they might be even desperate to get them. Yeah. Yeah. I think Atlanta was a clear one to me. Um, I, I do like the Detroit one simply for the fact that I like, still going after <clears throat> Boyan Bogdanovich. I still think there is a play there if we can make it work. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
the, the Atlanta one made sense because you get a little bit younger. You get, you know, you get pretty much one of those future three and D guys in DeAndre Hunter, and then you get the guy you wanted two years ago. Fuck Woj. Um, yeah. And uh, you, you know, you, you just add to that wing depth, that bench depth, and a scorer that you know this, oh, yeah. this team desperately needed somebody that can create their own shot. So yeah, yeah that, pretty... I mean, that was just a fun hypothetical. Again, no, I probably probably not as realistic as no, I like as it. I like it. I mean, I think like, look, there, there's a lot of ways that this can go. I think I, you know, we have to survive another summer of Derek Rose rumors. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's going to be, is this a John horse obsession? And finally bud's gone. Right. And he's like, I am finally able to sign Derek Rose. Like finally I have, has been waiting for years to sign Derek Rose. And that would be a problem with John horse evaluation. But then again, like John horse also signed DJ Augustine. We all knew it would be a fucking disaster and somehow was able to flip it for PJ Tucker. So I have to trust John Horst a little bit. I think that the Bucks, you know, are are looking at more of those athletic wings. But the question is, are you going to be able to sign them? Because I think everybody's looking for that. So how are you going to be able to do that? Is that trading Grayson Allen? Is that trading Bobby Portis, assuming Brooke Lopez comes back? Like all of those things. I think the other thing with Brooke is just checking in. Like, I would love to be a fly in the wall and know what conversations are being had right now with Brooke and Adrian Griffin and Brooke and other people and saying, are, here's what our plan is for you. Do you believe that? Do you not believe that? Because I do think there might be some of Brooke that's like, I don't fucking believe you guys and just leaves like that. It makes this, this unwilling assumption and wants to cash out too, because he's having a kid and you know, why not? Right. Get that, get that, you know, generational wealth if you will and start it up for for your child i can't blame that yeah and the the one thing too with him and with drew even is is they're you know obviously they're not young guys no. um and you, you you almost you know do you want to let them ride off into the sunset with the box do you, do you even know you know there was that that podcast from two years ago about drew saying he didn't you know think he was going to even play that much longer um you know where there's where their value is now you know it's it's let's be honest it's not going to get better next year you know every year is a declining year and you're a diminished right. asset um yeah, i don't want to lose either guy i'm as much as i'd love to, to selfishly you know win another title i would love to see it you know kind of uh, honorably the guys that helped get you there you know even if it's you know in a year or two years and, and we scratch the surface and we don't get one I, I still feel like there's some value in the organization um, knowing that like, you know, we, we let our guys finish here, you know, we didn't ship them off to a Houston and they, you know, they pissed away the remaining three years of their career. I get it from a business perspective. It's probably not the right approach. Um, but I, I still think that there's a way there's some guys out there that again, would probably have to come from some of those supplemental pieces, Joe Angles, Javon Carter, those contracts right. that are there. And and I think the the one thing that I just I'm I'm more excited about is that we've we've talked so much about some of the guys that we wanted to bring in the guys that we did bring in and we were excited about right mm-hmm. um, you know you talk about Jay Crowder you t- I was big on Tory Craig um, uh, I'm I'm blanking on the guy that came from the shooter that came from Chicago um, oh um, he was he went to international New York, Mir- 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 yeah he was in New Orleans but yeah and granted, granted that was. Bulls. That was earlier, but just yeah, we were so excited for some of these guys, right? Joe Ingles, and just for whatever reason, Bud just didn't like him, didn't use him, 
certainly in the playoffs, didn't use some of these guys. We were all screaming for Jay Crowder to be on Butler for five, 10 minutes, see what he could do. Right. Never saw it. Um, you know, Joe, I think kind of just, you know, he had a tough start to the year. So it was, you know, it's hard to kind of ramp up to what you're playing in, in the, in the playoffs. I would love to bring him back, but I just, I, I mean, you can tell there's a youth movement to this team and he probably doesn't fit that. Right. Um, would you, would you bring back Jay Crowder on the T, TPM? Like, would you bring him on the mid-level exception and just sell yeah, Jay Crowder? Shell Jay Crowder on the idea that, hey, look, it's a different coach. Yep. It's a different attitude. You know, you have something here with being a voice for your former alma mater, your alma, not your former, your alma mater. Like, they're, they're, we still we still believe in you here. We're sorry mm-hmm. that didn't work out with Mike, but we still believe in you here and still think you can do great things. And, and give him you know, and give him a full year, you know. Yeah. Not, both those guys again. I think right. Joe, Jay more than than Joe didn't have full years. The guys that you sign them late, like at that age, we don't know what it takes to, for these guys to get going. Give them sure. give them an entire off season when, in the new system, new coach. You ain't the only one that's new. We're all new to this. We're all yeah. new to the coach, the new system. Yeah. Let's let's all learn together. Let's build on a full year. So Jay is probably the one guy you're kind of in those that like third tier um, yes. of guys. I'd be fine bringing back. Um, I do have a couple names that I'll just quickly run through sure. and, you know, I don't want to take any of yours. If you've got a couple of guys you're interested in, um, Bruce Brown's at the top. I don't think it's going to happen. He's, he's probably played himself out as far as contract wise. Yeah. Um, he, he would be another one. It, again, it, it would take a combination of, of that might be a Bobby and a Grayson type move where you're, you're, you're having to unload those contracts. That's not going to get, you know, Grayson Joe and, and, um, you know, th- that's not going to be enough. Right. And um, again, Pat, like, what, what do we do with Pat? I don't think he moves just because he's Giannis's guy. And, you know, luckily he's some probably cemented in there. But I think it's going to take, you know, one of those one of Grayson or Bobby to do that. Um, Malik Beasley is another guy I still really like who's probably in, you know, probably has the opportunity. Yeah. He, really, he kind of got buried on the Lakers bench in that mm-hmm. trade, which was was kind of weird because he he fit you know right they needed shooters and yep. um i think the emergence of uh of reeves kind of helped with that you know as, as far as what they needed offensively um tht is another guy right he's only 22 years old um really had a good year after the all-star break um again might be one of those guys that just plays himself up and in, in, into a contract that we can't afford um i'm still really high in lonnie walker um i i, I think he's shown enough as a laker where he was probably going to get get paid um, Lakers might retain him too, but, um, I know he was, even though I, I didn't really get the vibe that you were, that you were a Lonnie Walker guy a year ago no. or whatever. When we talked no, about I'm him. not, I'm not a, I'm not a Lonnie Walker guy. Um, that's Lonnie Walker is not necessarily my cup of tea, but who was the guy that I was wrong on? I don't remember, but, okay. uh, Lonnie, Lonnie Walker, Lonnie Walker is at least interesting just because of the emerging clutch relationship that has kind of happened here with the Bucks, right? Yeah. The Chris, Chris Levinson thing. Like, does that mean that they're going after any sort of clutch clients? Like, is this a tell? Like, is this something that there's there? Zach Lowe uh, had something that they were in on John Collins, which to me sends up either, is that a red flag that they're trading Bobby? Is that a red flag they're trading Brooke Lo- or they're not bringing back Brooke Lopez? What, what does that mean? I, I think I unfortunately Bruce Brown, I love Bruce Brown, but I agree that he's played himself into a bigger contract. Mm-hmm. I think it's similar to like whenever a guy wins a Super Bowl 
and then he gets overpaid because they just you have that yeah, that championship pedigree, right? You know, you and that's see, why see what they that, did on the big stage, and so. that's what PJ Tucker did, and that's what other guys have done. Like I just see that. I, it, tell, the guy tell was her, sorry. It was Malik Monk, another oh, former Laker. That's who Malik, you were in on. Malik Monk, I was I was all okay. I had okay. Malik Monk nailed. THT did exercise his option, so he's unfortunately not on the table. Oh, he did. Okay, he did. Yeah, but Beasley, I think would I mean Beasley's in a guy. That would be an interesting bucket getter off the bench. And I think you're going to need some bucket getters off the bench, depending on how much you plan to play Andre Jackson. If Andre Jackson's yeah. a guy that's going to be in your rotation, then I think you need to make sure you have guys who can create their own shots. Um, and be just because I think Andre, I'm not going to like give up that Andre Jackson will never be a scorer. I think that was kind of an ignorant take by some people. Like he's going to fit you like, he like could figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I know he wasn't. I know he wasn't a fan. I know. No, he wasn't. He, I, I look. Mitch doesn't grind the Big East basketball tape like like I do. Uh, I I mean I think uh, I always will take guys who are from winning programs. I think exactly. that's all American was one yeah, of the recruits coming out. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, if he's our fucking Draymond, not that's like that's like the best case scenario, right? Best case scenario. But if the Bucks actually got the Draymond Green of this draft, like think about where that takes the future of Bucks basketball with him, mm-hmm. with Giannis, with Marjan, like, and, and I I hated when there was like, oh, he's just like Marjan. I'm like, no, he fucking isn't. That they're totally like hot, like, and and I do think some guys, some of the NBA only guys, expose themselves when they're talking about. They're like, oh, I never watched this guy. It's like. How the fuck <laughs> didn't you just turn on a UConn game on a Saturday afternoon? Right, right. Like it, it's in it, like you'd be you know, like, I lie, just lie and, and watch or, any yeah, other or tournament lie. games. There's nothing wrong with lying sometimes. Like just yeah. being like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like, that drives me crazy. Uh, but but honestly, like I I know we sidetracked there, but I I just think it's like making sure that you do have a bucket. You you do look after bucket getters. I don't really big on the. Do you need a pure point guard? Um, I the Utah one. I know a lot of Bucks Twitter wants Colin Saxon. Um, I would love that. I think that's a great bet on talent. Um, hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, I'll my, give you another Utah guy. I mean, Jordan Clarkson was still has still really been kind of talked about. And right, I'd probably be wouldn't, more wouldn't be sa- a terrible fit. I would. Be, yeah, I agree. But I'd be more Saxon over Clarkson just from an age I would, perspective. I would Sure. But I also am like, what does Utah need right now? Utah kind of looks set. You know, you just trade for John Collins. You have a great draft with Hendricks and Deontay George. Like, you have Lori Market. Like, I, I what, what do they need? I mean, Grayson Allen would be, you know, ideal jazz player, white guy. Like, just let you know that that works, that fits. But I don't know if they're just drafting for uh, nationality. Mm. Or uh, trading, excuse me. Yeah, as much as it, like, I think, depending on, on where they go in that direction, I think Drew really fits on that team, too. Like, you think about a young team, you think about a yeah. guy, that, you know, a solid point guard that can can kind of bring those guys together. That's kind of a, that's kind of a, in my mind, a perfect fit. I don't think they'd have enough. Um, they don't, yeah, I mean, they'd have they to trade. Give us. They'd have to yeah. trade Larry Marketing. I mean, that yeah. would be the, that would be the deal. You'd have to, you'd have to put Larry in that deal. And they want to yep. do that, right? No, no. Um, yeah. and the other thing too is it's just such a bitch to trade with Danny Ainge because mm-hmm. he's good, he wants to win the trade. He's obsessed with winning the trade, so that's why you always hear 
like, oh, Danny Ainge was involved in trade rumors. And it's like, and I think that also fr- frustrates people with Brian Gunacus because he kind of does the same thing where he always wants to be involved. He always wants to be in the room, but he wants it his way. Not necessarily. He won't give in. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, there are some GMs in all sports that give in and they, that's why their teams, you know, do deals. Yeah. I had one other guy um, and I apologize. I don't know if I talked about any kind of your, your targets, and it's it's Darius Baisley. Um, okay. And and oddly enough, I'm not a big fan of him. He committed to Syracuse. Would have been the highest recruit um, that Syracuse would have ever had since since Carmelo. Um, and you know, backed out and ended up going the G League route. And, and you know, whatever. It's it's you know, I don't care. It's water under the bridge. But he's only 22. Um, you know, had had some solid years um for OKC and then just kind of got got buried so a guy that has talent again you kind of talk about that pedigree of of a guy that was highly recruited out of high school um and just kind of really hasn't had that chance again you know with OKC um a lot of the time came from you know the injury that Shea had I think it was two yeah not last year the year before was Mm -hmm. there was there was time for him right and he got a chance to kind of show what he could do Still a really wiry guy, super athletic, not extremely polished offensively, probably, you know, defensively needs some work. But you bring him in with the veteran le- the veteran leaders that we have, you get him, you know, another wing guy, length- lengthy wing guy to compete with Jackson and compete with Morjan and push these guys. Um, you know, he's, he's another interesting guy. And I think a cheaper move to get younger even if he's not a guy that, you know, fully develops with Milwaukee, a young guy we could we could use potentially down the road, um, you know, as, as an asset. So that was just – then those were kind of my guys. Um, I, I can almost guarantee the Bucks don't sign any of them because they'll find somebody else. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, but there, look, there's a couple there I think makes sense that are, are doable from a contract perspective. Yeah, and and I I don't want to run through too many. I'm glad you gave us a bunch, and that's that's awesome. And I, I, I think – you know, there are a lot of ways that the Bucks could go. And I, I don't, you know, it all comes down to who's affordable, who's willing to maybe take the mid-level exception. Is that going to be Jay Crowder? Is that going to be somebody else? What money becomes available with Brooke Lopez? Is there, you know, someone from the Rockets that we can pull over, you know, one of their younger guys or one of the guys that are, you know, maybe rotational. I'm not saying like Jalen Green, of course, but is you know, I'm can you Martin Junior or KJ Martin or whatever? Yeah, yeah, KJ Martin or I don't really like Kevin Porter. Um, kind he, of a shithead. I think he'd be he'd be a detriment to the locker room. Yeah. I I don't think yeah, he's no. a, a core culture guy on any no, team, unfortunately, because no, no. he's talented. But don't see it. But if you could, I don't think you could get Sengun. Sengun yeah, would be awesome, or Tara Aston. Um, yeah. bo- either of those guys would be fucking. I would be like, oh my god. Um, yep. but there's, I, there's likely no way. Sengun, um, I think, is is probably a cornerstone of that, yeah, that franchise moving forward for sure. Um, but anyways, like, I, I, I mean, there are names here where I'm like, oh yeah, sign me up. Like Seth Curry, right? I think mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. awesome, right? That would be a guy where, all right, now you have a shooter on your bench. A guy that can kind of change games here yep. and there. If you lose out on Brooke, is a guy like Kelly Oubre an an option? Like, is that somebody that you know can be be there? Um, you know, a while no, I'm, ago, I'm out, I'm out on Oubre. I'm sorry, that's, fine. <laughs> that's just me. It's fine. 
you know, I was told a while back that there was a potential Bobby Portis, Dylan Brooks deal on the table. Now, I that would be a really, really tough sell for the casuals. I think we would probably get it in a sense of, do you want to stop Jason Tatum? Do you want to stop? Do you want to stop these guys? And you're in the house of Giannis now. Giannis is not going to put up with that shit. Like the reckless behavior yeah. is not going to fly. Again, though, that is like a, a another iteration of like the Josh Hader trade where I just think the fan base would, it's not like people would quit Bucks basketball. They'd be fine, but it would be, it'd be very like Packers brewers ask where you're getting rid of a fan favorite for a guy like, like Dylan well, Brooks. Well, think about right. You're, you're, you're taking out, you know, a core core piece of, Milwaukee fandom and you know this organization over the past few years and you're bringing in a guy who was literally kicked off of his team for whatever reason they want to say it is but certainly didn't bring the right attention so a guy that had a positive impact on right the team the organization for a guy that's coming in that had the exact opposite at, at his last gig I didn't want to bring Dylan Brooks up because I didn't want to convince myself that I think the Bucks should go after him because I think before all the bullshit, he was he would have been a perfect fit. He would have right. been like your fucking fuck you defensive, yes, you know, piss people off kind of guy. Um, and that's really what Bobby is too. Um, uh, in a, in a different frame, certainly in a different position, he's not guarding your wings. And I thought Dylan Brooks would be a good fit. I, I I'm probably out on it now just because all the bullshit he's right. just you know created for himself, you know, nonetheless. But um. Yeah, it was a name that I thought about, and I, I've seen, you know, talked about a little bit here and there. I just, if it were, if it were a different situation, um, had none of the bullshit happened, I'd probably be all in on it. I think everything he's done is one thing, and I think if if it were literally Bobby for Dylan, that's that's just such a, a one eighty as far as the message you send to your team and the organization. Right. Totally. And, and it also, and honestly, it, it, people wouldn't want to hear this, but. I think that would be Giannis influence. And I, I, I think that's the other, the last thing I will say is that Giannis is going to have a major impact on what the Bucks are doing and how can we help? Because he's been involved really from the get-go. He won an NBA coach. He, you know, Chris Middleton and him are still close. Chris Middleton was a part of a lot of the owner decisions and the stuff or that the stuff, you know, was going on with the team. Like, I, I just think that I, I don't think Anaku is going to dictate every player that's signed, but I think it's a more LeBron like approach for onto the combo than I think we've ever seen. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll, yeah, I'll add is I, I the, just with who we see as Giannis and who he is as a player and, and how much he cares for his, his teammates. I just, I can't see him pulling the plug on any of like that core four, if you will. Yeah, maybe not. You know, even like to the point where if something had, like if, if, if it was like, do you want to win another championship here in the next two or three years, then we have to make this move for yeah, this big name and we have to get rid of one of Chris Drew, Bobby, whatever, or not Bobby, uh, Brooke. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I, I'd love it because of who he is, but it's like, can he, could he physically and mentally get through that if he had to to make that decision? If he truly had, you know, kind of to weigh in and on those decisions, it's um. I just think that that would be something he he'd be dealing with, and and how does that affect him? You know, throughout right. the year. Totally, absolutely. 
All right, let's rip through a few little, you know, quick hitters uh, since we're running running a little long on time here. So it's it's 10 years ago for since Giannis got drafted yesterday. Um, and we're taping tonight, but 10 years ago yesterday when Giannis got drafted, do you remember where you were when Giannis got drafted? Um, and yeah, I, I remember seeing him get drafted. So 10 it, years it, ago, it, been in not, yeah. If not, like, um, do you remember the first time where you're like, all right, this guy is kind of good? Or, like, was there a moment for you where you're just like, all right, this is, like, my first, like, real Giannis. We've done a lot of memories today, but, like, the first real, like, Giannis memory that's etched in. Yeah. Now the thing about it, I was in – I was yeah, I was still in Milwaukee at the time. Um, I, I think the first time we drafted him, it, it was, like – Immediately went to the computer, went to YouTube, typed it in. Who was this kid? And you saw it like right away. You you saw him like dominated in like a middle school gym is what it felt like. Yeah. You're looking at these clips and you're like, oh, okay, this guy like looks like Kevin Durant on film. Right. And, you know, that was probably my first real, real, you know, exposure to him was just seeing who and for probably a lot of people was, you know, looking this guy up on YouTube because that was when the YouTube craze was heavy all the ball is life stuff, all of, oh, yeah. you know, really the basketball content started to, to really get busy. Um, and so that was probably the first, you know, I remember of that, I would say. Um, I don't think Carmelo was playing in the game, but he put the the game he played in the garden where he has that, that behind the back on Earl Thomas and the, the yep. like Statue of Liberty, but dunk from, from just about the free throw line was the first time I was like, Holy shit! This guy, this guy could be could be something sick. And and every year was like, man, if this guy gets a mid range, if this guy gets, you know, if he can hit a few threes here and there, if he can do this, and he's added, maybe not at the pace that I think a lot of us would would want to jump, but he's added different things to his repertoire. You know, as he's kind of got to that that kind of midpoint of his career, um, where you're just like you you're still still blown away by by some of the things like oh, yeah. they showed they showed um from 2 years ago I think it was the playoff series against Atlanta was like uh, they were playing in Milwaukee it was the spin move and he looks like he's going to go up and dunk over John Collins or Capella I think it was and he can just kind of rolls it you know rolls it into a layup and you're just like god that was just so fucking pretty there's yeah. not a lot of players in the NBA that can do, you know, what he does and, and, and on that, on that level every night. And um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I'll never forget. And I know you won't, you know, remember where we were for, for the championship. Right. And at the end of the yeah. day, that that's probably the memory that uh, at the end of the day will stick out to me um, when, when Giannis is, is all done, um, you know, hopefully yeah. you know, with his time in, in Milwaukee, doesn't go yeah. anywhere else. And hopefully we get another one. Hopefully we have more mm-hmm. memories of that. And I think, yeah, I was at Summerfest. I, I I remember they were saying, all right, and I'll bring it back to the, the start of the pod. Like we got drafted a kid from Greece and it's like, oh, John Hammond loves length and all this other stuff. And, and it was this whole conversation about, you know, what the bucks were at that time. And yeah, it was, it, you know, it became this incredible thing. And, you know, thinking Jabari Parker would be the guy and then it became mm. Giannis. And, you know, I I think there's just a lot of – and then it became a must-see. You had to go see him. You had to go watch him every night. You at mm. least had to do one Bucks game a year just so you could watch and admire Antetokounmpo because he's that good. Uh, mm. We didn't talk a ton about the Packers. Uh, 
only couple things I add is I, if I was really interesting this week, national media wise with Jordan Love, Colin Howard was had a thing about, oh, a player told me he never saw an impactful play from Jordan Love and never, you know, saw something that wrote home about. And Colin Coward has, you know, become a Jordan Love hater, I guess you could say. Then you also had Dominique Foxworth on first take saying that he thought Jordan Love could lead the Packers to the playoffs and that they just need to be a little bit better than last year's version of Aaron Rodgers and emphasize that the defense needs to step up. So I think it's been really interesting just to see the perception of Jordan Love. You know, there's just going to be so many takes for the next month, month and a half, but that it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, and everybody's kind of picking sides at this point. Yeah, I I am not a Coward fan. Um, I've never really been – I just – I think some of his takes are just absolutely brutal. Not to mention Darius Slay, you know, uh, probably within yeah, the last few, two weeks, you know, talked about um, he was like, you know, that that young kid's got something, you know, he can sling. And obviously he saw it firsthand, um, you know, when he played in Philly. Or, yeah, it was a Philly game, right? Philly, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he saw it firsthand. Like, so, you know, you have a guy playing actual minutes against uh, against him and praising him for, for the short time that he saw him. So, um yeah I, I think you talked a little bit about it earlier in the week for for some of those um that might not listen was just kind of the comments from Aaron Jones um and just the utmost confidence utmost confidence that these guys have him and and, and Peter Bukowski I, I don't agree with all of his takes but you know he talked a little bit about how these guys could say nothing they could just fit the status quo and say yeah he's he's getting better every day he looks better every day he's like no you know, he's got the leadership of the huddle. He right. we have a hundred percent trust in this guy. Um, you know, we're we're gonna ride with him, we're gonna follow him. We don't hear that a ton. Um, we certainly didn't with Rogers. I don't know if people were afraid to speak up or if it was just obvious where it was like, you know, he we know who he is, he's the goat, whatever. Right. You know, everybody didn't you, see that. You'd always get asked about it too if you're Jones or Jenkins, you're doing these interviews with what's like with Aaron Rodgers. And they still get asked that. Like, and they're mm-hmm. still gonna get these questions about like what is it like to lose Aaron? What's the difference? Like it's going to be, you know, that that spin cycle for like the sideline reporters and the you know, the analysts, you know, for the first few games. There'll be so much Aaron Rodgers talk, it'll they'll be sickening a little bit. And the and the one thing I'll add is as far as like national media coverage, it's it's kind of been all over the place. But I think Orlovsky hit it on on the head. Is like, what if Jordan Love is good? You yeah. know, it, it, you know, it, even if he's an average top twelve, top fifteen quarterback in in the NFL this year, that's enough to to win a division. That's enough to get us to yeah. the playoffs. It, it might not be enough to to win a Super Bowl this year, but man, if if he's good. It's man, there's there's so much to be excited about the future of this of this football team. I'll tell you what, Bears better hope they don't they don't lose that first game because that review is going to be. <laughs> I will tell you that all time right now. Yes, I will. Tell I will you that say, right. I will say, I went back. Uh, well, you went back to. Uh, I mean, probably my all time, I and mean, it's got to be your all time favorite. You know, post game review of uh, of the Bucks went in and just. The absolute shouting and, and the 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 craziness that ensued after um, at our, at our spot, the Broad House, and yeah. uh, that was it was fun to relive that that little memory. So I, uh, I don't think the Bears won't get up to that point. But no, that no, no, no. That, that's that that that's only reserved for certain games, certain certain atmospheres. Uh, last last thing, I'm not gonna do Brewers. 
I don't know if you saw a lot of the beer Olympics content that Bakhtiari and the Bustle with the Boys guys did, but my God, did that look like the most fun thing that anyone could possibly do was on it, a uh, Tuesday? Was it part of Tight End U? Because was was Kittle it was there right too? At, it was right oh. after Tight. They all live there. Kittle lives in Nashville. Bakhtiari yeah. lives in Nashville. So they all live there, and they just decided to do a beer Olympics for content. They had Dean Blandino refing beer games, <laughs> which is fucking so funny. Uh, they had like hockey players, they had country singers, they had comedians. Like, I don't know. I just was like, I had some significant like FOBO of like, what am I doing with my life? Why mm. am I at my desk and not, not playing beer Olympics? It's not, it's because I'm an athlete. And I think it's not an athlete. Not, not to sound like a fucking, you know, boomer or whatever, but you know, in the age of where we are with content, and if you if you you know talk about even the, it, it's like the old NBA versus the new NBA and the old NFL news, like we're not trying to be friends with those guys. We're not trying to be, yeah. You know, those are our opponents or whatever. But in the age of where we are today, obviously content is king. Um, just seeing like good good friends just get together and fucking you know mess around yeah. and and, ha- and have a day. Um, and like. He's he's chugging beer against legit fucking dudes. Like all of these dudes are massive guys. <laughs> he smokes. And he smokes, smokes George Kittle. It's like, like welcome, welcome to the fucking show. I'm, I I live, you know, most of my time in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where we know how to drink. I, I thought that was fucking awesome. And I I actually tuned into one of his Instagram lives, and he Tucker Craft. And Tucker Craft looked like he was three shades out. And <laughs> Tucker seems like such a frat bro. Like, uh, just has the look. And uh, Tucker has a girlfriend and bless her heart. Cause I think it's going to be hard to keep Tucker Tucker locked <laughs> up. Like he's going to get a lot of slides in uh, once week one, week two mm-hmm. start. Uh, but that first touchdown boy. I'm oh yeah. The DMs. Yeah. Uh, basically Bakhtiari is trying to break the third round curse by himself by integrating Tucker craft already, already into the mix. But that will do it for today. Anything else for the people before uh, we ride out? No, man, this was fun. Um, yeah, if you're out and about this weekend, enjoy it. Be safe. Um, yeah. A lot of crazies out on kind of the Fourth of July weekend, so just be no safe around that. Yeah, enjoy. Uh, enjoy Summerfest if you go. If you can make it in two weekends or yeah, two weeks, I should say. Um, be happy to see you and um, appreciate the support. Absolutely, July seventh. We'll see you there, seven p.m. at the Johnson Control Center. Be there. Oh, and that was the sound waves. Sound, formerly, sound wave, yep. formerly. Johnson's Johnson's show. All right, Shane. We'll uh we'll see you in a see you in a few weeks and uh look forward to uh doing this again. I'll see everybody tomorrow with Mitch and yeah, we'll uh keep the uh co-host pods rolling uh for this week. Take care, everybody.